In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, on your treadmill. Climb your way any way you want. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. We want the Big Ten Championship, and we're going to win it as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. When the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Run Past Michigan, our RPM podcast here on The Athletic. I'm, of course, Nick Baumgartner, along with Austin Meek, joined virtually via quarantine everything else. Austin, how are we doing? All right. I feel like we skipped uh, right out of winter and straight into summer. Yeah, yeah. No spring. Uh, yeah. That's gone, apparently. I know that uh, we do have seasons here for most uh, most times of year, but it's now uh, like a thousand degrees outside, which I'm not going to complain about because it was terrible all April. <laughs> so uh, we're doing well, uh, all things considered, I guess. Hope you are as well. And uh, we've actually, awesome. we've had some stuff over the last couple of weeks to discuss um, for the show as uh, Michigan's had a few access. Uh, we, we talked to uh, Josh Gaddis. And Don Brown about quite a bit of stuff uh, via Zoom. And um, Mark Schlissel, Michigan's president, also made some comments over the weekend, uh, I believe, to Washington Post, um, you know, with his thoughts, maybe a little, well, I don't know, his sort of observation on how all of this might go or might not go. Uh, I think we could start there. What, what, when you read, uh, I guess, first, Austin, walk us through sort of what uh, what Mark Schlissel sort of said and, um, you know, maybe how it was received and then but, but maybe more more really what the, the meat and potatoes of what he was talking about were. Yeah, well, I think the context of this is that we've seen this wave of schools now come out and announce plans to bring football players back onto campus. Ohio State, I believe, is targeting June 8th for voluntary workouts. Illinois, I believe, was looking at June 3rd. Uh, The SEC as a conference has come out and announced a plan, and I believe the Big 12 has as well. So, you know, we've seen this wave of schools now uh, speaking, you know, pretty much in unison about, okay, it's time to uh, open up again, uh, allow the players to start coming back on campus for voluntary workouts, which we assume would be leading up to preseason camp. Uh, And so uh, Mark Schlissel is kind of the outlier here. Um, I believe it was uh, in the Wall Street Journal. He uh, did an interview last week that came out and basically said, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, We're not entirely certain that we're going to have college sports in the fall. Uh, there's a lot that we still need to figure out. Um, and so Michigan is, um, you know, not at the moment in that group of schools that is putting out a plan to get players back on campus. Uh, you know, the, the stay-at-home order in Michigan uh, has been extended now, I believe, through June 12th. 
Um, and there are several steps that would have to happen before Michigan could uh, could even open up its facilities uh, to allow players to get in there voluntarily. So uh, would say that Michigan uh, maybe taking a little more cautious approach uh, than than what we're seeing from some other schools that appear to be very eager to get things going again. Yeah, you nailed it. Part of it was you know the fact that you know the state is still under a state home until. I guess we could technically call it mid-June, whereas a lot of these, you know, Ohio is not anymore. But that's, but who's to say that doesn't change? You know, I guess in the next couple of months or next couple of weeks. And I think that uh, ultimately, you know, what Mark Schlissel was saying was, you know, I don't, I think somewhere in there it was, I don't want to set, you know, false hope or false expectations or something that's unrealistic for people to where I promise you, or it sounds like I'm promising you that we're going to do this, and then all of a sudden we have to change because we can't predict you know, what a virus does and doesn't do. And I think that, you know, sort of my takeaway always from stuff like this is, you know, he didn't make any sweeping, um, you know, you know, final mandates or, you know, we're not doing this. We are doing, he didn't do any of that because those answers are not available yet. And, uh, you know, it's been interesting also, and I, you know, as, as we saw last week, the SEC just did the whole conference was like, all right, we're all back and we don't care what anybody says, but I've also seen, you know, in the past few days, you know, I've seen reports of, you know, numbers go up, uh, you know, case numbers go up in some of these southern states. And I wonder if that impacts anything or if it won't at all. I don't know if this is a state by state situation. You know, I'm not sure how it's all going to shake out. I, I would think that the Big Ten has seemed to be in the same, you know, we all want to play. We all want to play together. I've seen James Franklin come out and say that, you know, if one school can't play, then that doesn't mean that somebody else shouldn't be able to play. So bottom line on all this, as we said on May 26, you're recording this. As I think what Mark Schlissel was saying is, I can't promise you guys anything. I can't promise you that we're going to have it. I can't promise you that we're going to be able to play with empty, you know, an empty stadium, because I can't promise you that we're going to be able to bring students back. And if you can't bring students back, how are you supposed to bring football players back? So my question to a lot of those places that are bringing football players back is, uh, you know, is your school bringing students back? If that's the case, then fair enough. But Michigan's not in the situation yet, nor would be Michigan State, where they can make that sort of claim yet, and so. You know, I, I saw a lot of folks sort of got a little carried away with their reactions to what he said. But at the same time, I, I think all he was doing was sort of stating the exact situation that we're in. I don't think there was anything more or less to it than that, which exactly I, I thought was exactly all that was needed to be said. Yeah, I'm sure there are some fans out there who are looking for optimism and reassurance. Sure. And, you know, a, a lot of people, hey, I want to hear People come out and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to play. I'd, I'd love to hear that. That's great. Uh, you know, everybody wants to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I do think it's, you know, it, it's appropriate not to get carried away in, you know, the wave of peer pressure, I guess, for lack of a better word, that, yeah. well, all these other schools are doing it, so it must be time to do it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, every, every state, every school uh, is going to have to make their own determination uh, you know, I, it, it, you know, it could get weird. Uh, there's no yep. guarantee that every school is going to be operating on an even playing field. And look, if you're a Michigan fan who's sick of losing to Ohio State, and now you're looking at Ohio State's opening up, you got players coming back using the weight room. Uh, meanwhile, Michigan is still kind of shut down. Maybe you're thinking, man, you know, it'd be nice to you know, make sure that we're getting all the opportunities that, that the other schools are getting. I just, I don't know that that way of thinking about it really applies right. in, in this situation. It's just, it's such a, you know, it's such a different situation. I do think ultimately there is going to be some, you know, some level of uniformity. Um, 
you know, if look, if other schools in the Big Ten are playing football, Michigan's gonna play football unless yeah. there's some state or local uh, order in place that prevents that. I would think so, and I think that that's the thing to remember is that. You know, Mark Schlissel, president of the university, is obviously you know an academic uh, person with an with a, with a you know academia background. I think he was a he is a immunologist. Something yeah. like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's his background. So I mean, he's first and foremost, he's you know this has been established before. He's not you know a president that's you know got this rich history of football or anything like that. It's it's mostly academics. So his focus usually is on the university at large and academics and how those all those things, research and all those things. Um, but that said, he's been here long enough now to know that, um, and he's admitted this too, that, you know, he understands the value, you know, that football has at Michigan and both from a financial standpoint and uh, from everything that it, you know, that it raises up within the athletic department and everything else across the board and people's moral support and everything else. So, uh, you know, the bottom line would be is that, you know, obviously they're going to try to do everything they can <laughs> they can to play, but it's like you can't promise something that's impossible to promise. And I think that's, you know, these guys are getting asked and, you know, men and women, I suppose, whoever, you know, athletic director, you know, coaches, whatever it is, they're being asked and they've been asked for months, when are you coming back in an impossible situation where they don't have answers? And I almost feel like, Austin, at times we've we've created this thing where a lot of these folks have been asked so many times that they decided they needed to come up with an answer that they don't have. And we're starting to see answers based on zero evidence. There's nothing. There's nothing to suggest, but they're doing it anyway. And so Michigan decides to stay pat a little bit. You know, I don't know. I don't see that big of a deal with it at this point on May 26, but um, I think it's fine. I think that's what you would want, right? You would want, you know, a president who's probably saying we're going to make sure that, you know, nothing gets uh, gets so far out of bounds that we can't play or put anybody in danger. Um, so to me, that that all sort of makes sense. Yeah, I, I think the urge to, uh, to have answers Certainly, it's not just in the football realm. I mean, these university presidents are looking at the fall term. Uh, they've got students coming from all over the world. And you know, yeah. the ability of the university to sustain itself dep- depends on those tuition right. dollars of those students uh, coming to your campus. So they're all you know, making plans. Um, that was sort of the, the thing we heard all over is they're all planning uh, for on-campus instruction. Uh, which, you know, it's great to plan for that. You should be planning for that. But the, the part of that that sort of goes unspoken is that it's all contingent on the situation on the ground uh, in the fall. Yeah. And nobody knows exactly what that's going to be. Right. But we assume that there will be a Michigan football season uh, in some form or fashion. Uh, and we've had an opportunity over the last couple of weeks uh, to talk to some coaches from the Michigan staff. You know, we didn't have spring practice uh, you miss that opportunity to uh, you know to talk with the coaches the way we normally would, uh, and to you know to get a chance to sort of see the team develop in the spring. But we did get a chance to talk uh, with both coordinators, Josh Gaddis and Don Brown, uh, about their uh, feelings about where the program's at uh, this spring. So Nick, just kind of at the thirty thousand foot view, uh, mm-hmm. let's start with Gaddis. Uh, what sure. was your takeaway from what we heard from him a couple weeks ago? Yeah, they're doing all they can, obviously, and I think for for Gaddis, uh, you know, this obviously was going to be an off season where I think he was going to spend a fair amount of time in the winter there, um, you know, sort of doing some self scouting and, and things of that nature. And I think he did anyway, but you know, obviously for a guy like that who's still pretty young in, in this job, um, only his second year, um, still getting used to a lot of these guys, probably more so, obviously, and more so now than he was a year ago at this time. But this this has given him more chance, you know, more of a chance at home to 
dive into more stuff um, and try to find ways to make them, you know, as efficient as possible uh, as best he can. You know, a lot of what, when you go back and look at, you know, we talked to Geddes about this last year too, um, you know, as the year went on, but when you went back and watched, you know, there was a lot of things that happened to Michigan's offense that, you know, were self-inflicted wounds that we could argue are, you know, probably avoidable, uh, drop passes, um, you know, missed throws by the quarterback, um, missed holes by running backs, things of that nature, uh, that sort of stunted everything they were doing. And, you know, when you really break it all down, you know, with the way he did with all the number of times Michigan stalled out in the red zone, uh, turned the ball over in the red zone or turnover on downs in the red zone or settling for a field goal when, you know, you could have been in a situation to, you know, punch one in. There was a lot of that, especially earlier in the year. And a lot of that comes back down to, you know, sort of efficiency of uh, play calling and, you know, all this stuff, you know, he's, you got us obviously a big film junkie and he's a guy who's going to study all this stuff inside and out. But I think it's for Michigan folks, it should be encouraging to hear all of those things because this is not, you know, I would, I would say overall Gaddis had a pretty good, a solid first year as a play caller. I thought uh, it started out a little rocky um, for a number of reasons. Um, I think, you know, their off season stuff might, have been a little rocky too, I guess, maybe, because guys just didn't seem quite ready to go. But when they got there, and it did take a second, but when, when they got there, it felt like they were evolving. It felt like they were, you know, changing for the better every week. Um, and for all that, it, you know, all that to happen, it wasn't like he just ended the offseason and sat around and said, okay, we're going to do the exact same thing. No, I mean, he knows that the good thing about somebody like that is he's been around great players at Alabama. He was around... Saquon Barkley and that great offense at Penn State. So he knows what a really super efficient offense looks like, and he knows Michigan's not there. So, you know, a lot of the work that he can do by himself um, is to find ways to improve his ability to put them in, in, in really good positions. And I think that's, it seems like that's what he spent most of his offseason on. So, I mean, from that standpoint, if you're a Michigan fan, that should be pretty encouraging, I would think, uh, across the board, because they're going to need more of that help. They, they are not dripping with speed. They do not have guys all over the place who are just going to, you know, just going to light you up. I mean, they've got, they've got speed somewhere, but they don't have a ton of it. You know, they don't have like eight guys who can do it. So they're not crazy deep in a lot of that explosion, uh, talent and category that you'd like. So he's going to have to come up with more ways. And I think it sounds like, you know, sort of what he's been doing. Certainly it's, it's fortunate for Michigan, uh, that this whole thing didn't happen a year ago. Right. I mean, at least yes. Josh Gaddis had an off season, uh, to install his offense, you know, to, to get the foundation in place. And I think the question is going to be, realistically, how much can you build on that foundation without having a normal offseason? Because really, you know, this would be the time that you would say, okay, year one, it was just about getting the system in place, establishing this is who we are, this is what we want to do. And then year two is the time then when you can really start to take off uh, and really build on that. And Michigan may not get that opportunity. Nobody's going to feel sorry for him. I think Josh Gaddis even said it, like, or maybe it was Don Brown mm-hmm. who said it. Like, the coaches who are really sweating this are, you know, if you've got a new staff, you know, if you're trying to put in a yeah. new offense in this offseason, boy, that's really tough. Uh, Michigan's not in that position, but they do have a lot of, you know, they they do have a lot of turnover on offense that they're going to have to, uh, going to have to figure out in a pretty short amount of time. You know, Josh Gaddis said. The quarterback situation, there's no leader, there's no favorite, there's no you know depth chart carrying over from last year. Uh, Joe Milton, Dylan McCaffrey, 
at whatever point those guys get on campus, it's going to be ready, set, go, uh, and may the best man win. I also thought an interesting thing he said, uh, he was talking about the offensive line, which is going to be a a position under a lot of scrutiny with four starters gone uh, from that group, Uh, made the point that he, he actually thought uh, that uh, the the group they have coming could be a better run blocking offensive line uh, than the previous group, even though they had those four draft picks. Uh, maybe a little more athletic up front, uh, yeah. but but uh, some ground to make up in terms of their pass protection. Yeah, certainly in terms of seasoning and the pass protection is always going to come last. Um, and those younger guys are going to need to you know continue on their you know strength. That's the big one too, right? The strength training. You know, guys just not getting as much time with. Um, you know, the, the strength staff, you know, as they normally would, you know, normally they would have been working out, you know, all through spring practice. They would have had May off at Michigan for the most part. So, so in that sense, you know, that's okay. But yeah, the strength development will be the other one, but yeah, their offensive line uh, recruiting, you know, at least since Ed Warner has been there and even toward the tail end of uh, the Tim Drevno and Greg Fry combined era there, the weird year where they had two offensive line coaches. Uh, you know, the recruiting has, has become, you know, it's it's gotten more focused on guys who can move uh, rather than guys who are these big hulking, you know, dudes who need to shed a bunch of weight and, and can't really move that well in space. You know, a lot of the guys have been recruited, you know, they're, they're in the same build and sort of what have you as a Jalen Mayfield who came in a little light. Um, but, you know, that did, that meant he all he had to do was add strength. He didn't have to tear weight down off his body. He didn't have to re- reconstruct himself. He already had, you know, good length and everything else, um, you know, good weight. And so it was just about strength development from there. And there's a lot of other guys like that. Ryan Hayes, we talked about him a ton. Um, I know they love Zach Carpenter and Nolan Rumler, the inside guys. Both those guys were, it's Rumler, I thought they liked it. Reports were last year that Carpenter maybe was the guy they liked a lot, a lot, uh, based on probably his strength, because I think he was advanced in terms of just power uh, for, a, for an 18-year-old. But Rumler and Carpenter were both guys in high school. You know, that were athletic enough uh, from a run standpoint to sort of, you know, get out and move around, you know, move around bodies in the, in the zone game the way that Cesar Ruiz could kind of do. Um, you know, Cesar was their most athletic lineman last year, him and Mayfield. And both those guys, you could see whenever they got out in space, their ability to, you know, sort of not only just reach guys, but, you know, stay on a block. You're not falling off a block as easily in, a, in the run game if you're more athletic, if your feet are quicker. Uh, Bredesen was always pretty good at that. But I think they hope, for the most part, what they found is a bunch of guys who need to grow into their bodies more, but aren't going to give up much by way of foot speed, you know, and ability to get out and move a little bit. You know, as we get further and further away from those gap, you know, gap teams that just hammer the ball and hammer the ball, Michigan's his own team now. Uh, and so, yeah, they should be a little more athletic up front. That should help a lot. And that should open up, you know, more space, both in the quarterback run game and between the tackles as well. But again, all of it is time on task. And, you know, Gaddis at one point also even said, you know, maybe we have to go back and start over at day one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Don Brown kind of in a similar situation defensively, uh, a lot of, a lot of guys who played a lot of football uh, that Michigan mm-hmm. has to replace defensively. Um, I believe the top three tacklers are gone. Uh, Josh Uche, who led the team in sacks, is gone. Uh, so that you know, Don Brand has some some pieces to build around coming back, uh, but but some pretty significant holes to fill on defense as well. Uh, initial thoughts after talking to Don Brown last week. Yeah, I think it's there's a lot of guys in that that are in the third year. Uh, that are kind of in go time here now, or they're maybe their third or fourth year even. Um, 
you know, he, he mentioned uh, Donovan Jeter a couple times. You know, they, so much talk about the interior and the lack of depth and the lack of sort of, you know, playable bodies. You know, they're hoping, uh, you know, that they have more. They're hoping maybe to play, uh, to, you know, in a situation that would give them the ability to be bigger up front if they have to be. Um, you know, because last year they just couldn't do it. I mean, that was just, that's just the long and short of it. They just did not have enough guys uh, inside you know, that we're going to allow them to be big against big. You know, you saw it against Wisconsin. You saw it against Ohio State, against Alabama. When it was time to, you know, square up and just get downhill, Michigan got pushed all over the place. And, you know, that's something that, you know, when we look at it, Austin, from our from our eyeballs, I, you know, we're not there at practice every day. So we don't see, you know, when they were practicing at the end of last season, we don't see the growth or development of guys like, you know, Hinton or Mozzie Smith or Jeter. Um, but... At some point, you're going to need to see that because obviously it wasn't enough to get on the field last year, uh, at least enough. And um, you know they're going to they're going to need more of that uh, because you're also losing you know you're losing another linebacker or two. I guess you're losing uh, Hudson and, and Jordan Glasgow played a lot. You're losing Josh Uche. You're losing playmakers and you're losing guys that need to be protect, sort of protected in the middle there. And you know the thinner you are up the middle, the harder it is. Uh, to sort of do anything against the run. And so while, you know, Brown talks a lot about the speed Michigan has defensively, I think they're still in a pretty good spot with that for the most part. But just the big speed, the big size, the big-bodied guys who could move, you know, the guys they were putting in the draft in the early part of the Harbaugh tenure on defense, you know, they don't have a lot of those guys right now. And um, and so you're going to have to get creative to, to work your way around it. And you're going to need guys like Michael Barrett, who – you know, is this 4'5", 230-pound linebacker, you know, runs a 4'5", two, at 230, whatever he is, you're going to need him to be, like, a big-time player now. He can't just be a guy who comes in and is a situational what-have-you. You need to figure out a way to get him on the field as much as possible because he's big and fast, and you need a lot of more guys who are big and fast. And I mean, they're just, they're not, you know, they're not they're not there. They're, the roster wasn't there last year at the end of the year, and it's it's harder for me to see then to that point this year as well. But at the same time, you know, we know Don Brown likes to recruit guys that sort of fit, you know, job descriptions the way that we've seen in the past. I think they've continued to do that. But there's a lot of guys just right now, especially defensively, that are like, I think they could be okay. But, you know, we just have to see, you know, Jemin uh, Green, German Green, the, some of the guys in the defensive backfield, Turner. Um, there's a lot of those guys that I think they could be pretty good. But we haven't seen anything yet from them, and, and so we really don't know. And I think that that's, you know, that's the situation they're in now. That was the situation they were in last year a little bit, and it's still a little bit in flux, right? I mean, I think a lot of it is sort of up in the air. And I think that was sort of what I took from Don Brown anyway, um, overall. I know he talked a little bit about Josh Uche, right? I know you wrote about that as well, Austin. Uh, what were your sort of thoughts on, uh, you know, his kind of take on all that? Okay, guys, it's important to smell good, especially now we're all inside. We're in close proximity with each other, so you want to be smelling good. And Hawthorne smells really good. Getting Hawthorne cologne is so easy. There's a quiz. You can take the quiz, and it will tell you the scents that are perfect for you. Uh, you can personalize it to uh, whatever fits you best. Uh, they have other products too, deodorant, shampoo, body wash, whatever you need uh, to keep you smelling good. Uh, it's a great gift for Father's Day too if you're looking for a gift for dad. So check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co, use my promo code, which is athletic, to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co, use my promo code athletic, 
to get 10% off your first purchase, hawthorne.co. Yeah, I think the two positions that are really interesting to me, uh, number one, the Viper spot, which you mentioned, uh, losing Cleek Hudson. It's all signs point right now to Michael Barrett being the guy who, who steps into that role. And I, I think that they feel like he's a very, you know, a natural fit for that. And it's going to be a pretty seamless transition, they hope, uh, to plug him yeah. in at Viper. But the strong side linebacker spot uh, that Uche played is interesting to me because when I look at their roster, I just, I don't see a guy who does what right. Josh Uche did. Uh, and Don Brown kind of acknowledged that, talking about the guys who potentially could step into that role. Uh, he mentioned three guys, Luigi Villane, uh, Taylor Upshaw, and David Ajabo, all of yep. whom are probably a little more in that kind of weak side defensive end uh, prototype, not so much the linebacker prototype. And that was the thing about Uche is he was basically, he was both, right? He, he could be a stand-up yep. defensive end. Uh, he could play linebacker in the middle of the field. He could do all of that stuff. And I don't think right now... Michigan has a guy who does all of that. Um, they've got guys who can do bits and pieces of it. And I think that that will be, uh, at least initially, the process is piecing together different combinations of guys who can do all of the different things that Josh Uche did. Um, and I, I do think it will be interesting to see, and, and Don Brown was asked about this, uh, it, will they use that Uche position the same yeah, way that they did? Or you know, if, if you've got a guy like Chris Hinton, who takes a big step forward in this offseason, which you hope he would as a, a top 50 type recruit, maybe your best lineup is playing four down linemen, having Hinton and Carlo Kemp in the middle with Aiden Hutchinson and, and Quiddy Pay on the edge. Um, you know, maybe that ends up being you know sort of Michigan's bread and butter. Uh, I think a lot of it is contingent on the interior guys, on Hinton, on Mozzie Smith, uh, they're basically coming back with the same guys they had last year on the inside. And, and a lot of the conversation, as you alluded to last year, was that their depth on the interior line spots wasn't good enough. Uh, but if some of those guys take a big step forward, then maybe you could see a situation where uh, you can get more pressure uh, with, with just four guys. Uh, and, and we see Michigan go that way rather than playing more of the, the odd fronts and trying to you know, sort of wedge a guy into that Uche role if they don't have somebody who's ready for that. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it right there, like you just said. If you don't have a guy that's capable of doing it, then the, then that job's just not going to be on the field. I mean, it's just not going to be something you're going to use because Uche wasn't capable of doing that uh, in 2018 uh, when they used him in situational, you know, roles as, as a third down pass rusher and everything else. Uh, he might have said, he, he, he you know, he might have thought he was capable of it, I guess, in 2018, but, you know, obviously Brown didn't. Uh, and then last year was really the only year that they, you know, sort of cut him loose. And even then it was in, you know, limited time. And part of it, as you said, Austin, was because they didn't have, you know, much by way of interior interior depth. If they can get, you know, so they've got Carlo Kemp back. They've got Hinton, who they expect to be, you know, you know, much heavier contributor now. If they can get Mozzie Smith and Donovan Jeter uh, to bring themselves up to a level, you know, to where they're plug-and-play players who can go in and, and give you reps and you don't have any injuries, then you can do that. Then you can play, you know, in a lot of different situations where you play, you know, an even front. You can even, you know, get creative in certain situations and put extra ends on the field and move, uh, you know, Hutchinson inside, let him rush from inside. Same with Quiddy Pace. So they have versatile ends that would allow them to do that, but they're going to need those three uh, that we just mentioned there, Hinton, 
uh, Mozzie Smith and Jeter are the three that just pop up every time. Uh, they're going to need those guys. It's it, it, Let's put it this way. It'll be easier, I think, for those three guys to to raise their level and do their jobs than it will be for someone like Valaine, Upshaw, or Jabo, who have never done this, to raise their level and be a, you know, you know, decent half-passing copy of what Josh Uche was last year. I would think it'd be easier for guys who are already playing a position they're familiar with to raise up and do the job they were kind of brought here to do than it would be for three guys who are sort of trying to figure that out without a spring practice. Uh, so if I had to guess right now, the default might be that you're going to see more even front from them and less of the stack, but, you know, I don't know that. And that's something that they're going to have to sort of work through. And this is another great point. This is something I'm, also, I'm interested to get your thoughts but I think of this for the last couple of weeks. I think that regardless of what happens, if let's say we all have, you know, everybody's playing football at some point this year, let's say just hypothetically, and they only have, you know, a short amount of time. Nobody got spring ball. They only have a short amount of time, you know, six weeks or whatever of a training camp. I would think we're going to find out who really, you know, who the great coaches are and who the recruiters are in, in the country, right? I think we're going to find out who can really coach football and who just says they can coach football because you're not going to have as much time and you're going to have to make tougher decisions. You're going to have to find answers with less evidence. And it's going to be much more of a challenge. So I think a lot of the smoke's going to get blown away. And we're going to find out sort of who, you know, who can really coach this thing and maybe who uh, maybe thinks they can and maybe swim it upstream a little bit. Yeah, I, you know, I think you would expect even more so than, than usual, you would expect talent to come to the top. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're a program that relies totally on development, uh, if you're a program that, you know, maybe you maybe you want to win with you know, a little bit lesser athletes, but you're going to coach them up and, uh, you know, try yeah. to find advantages in other areas. Maybe some of that will be some of that will be mitigated uh, in a sense. I mean, talent always rises to the top. I think you, right. know, you probably ask any coach and they'll tell you you can be the greatest coach in the world. Uh, but uh, if you're the less talented team on that given day, uh, you've got an uphill climb. I think that will be true again. Um, you know, Michigan is a team defensively, um, I think it's fair to say, uh, you know, Don Brown, you know, he's got a lot of wrinkles. Uh, he uses a lot of different looks, a lot of different sub packages. Um, you know, I, I think there's every reason to believe that that's not going to change. Michigan's, yep. you know, going to be um, defensively, you know, they're going to have the same blueprint that, that they've had. Uh, but, you know, you, you may have to just kind of fall back a little bit more on, okay, who are our guys that we know can do this? Uh, yeah. Who are the guys that have been in our system? Uh, we're going to ride with these guys. Uh, you know, we don't, we're not going to have time to catch somebody up. If, if there's That's a guy who we like and we think he's got a bright future, but he's not there yet, you may have to say, we're going to put that on the back burner for a while and we're going to ride with the guys uh, that we know we can trust. Um, so, you know, the, the recruiting and the development that has happened before all of this hit with coronavirus, uh, we're going to find out, right, who, who the coaches mm-hmm. were uh, that had their programs ready to roll and, and who the coaches were that, you know, some of those shortcomings may get exposed. If, you know, yep. if, if you had a recruiting class where, where you swung and missed on a bunch of guys, uh, or if you know you haven't done enough to get your system really where you need it to be, uh, all of that may may get exposed this year without the normal time to prepare. Yeah, and I think I think if you split this thing down the middle and say offense defense and just separate it, right? Like I think Michigan's offense 
you know, personnel that they have on the offensive side, even with the new quarterback and everything else. I think that Gaddis is in a is in more of a situation where he has, you know, Michigan played a lot of receivers last year. They got both the young running backs. They have more guys. Maybe the offensive line would be the the exception, but they have more guys that they know, you know, we know what this guy can do when we throw him in, right? We know this guy can do this because he's played in a game or we've experimented with him uh, or what have you. I, I think that they have more of that than the defensive side, whereas I think Don Brown is maybe going to have to walk out on the ledge with a few more guys than he's comfortable with. Uh, in normal years, and just say, I'm going to have to trust you. Yeah, I'm going to have to trust that we push, we got you as far along, you know, as we can, because I just, I think when I look at it, you know, in terms of proven depth, um, the offense has more, I think, right now, uh, than, than the defensive side. And it's just, that's, that's kind of, I feel like last year was the same way, right? Where it was like, yeah. you're, you're, the number of guys that seemed like Don Brown trusted compared to the number of guys that seemed like Josh Gaddis was trusting. It wasn't the same number, you know what I mean? It seemed like we we talked about that a lot with, you know, people always ask, well, why is he always playing Jordan Glasgow? Well, first of all, Jordan Glasgow did get drafted, so I guess we have to make sure that we say he's a pretty good football player. <laughs> yeah. But he trusted him, so he trusted he trusts him more in certain situations. I it's it was fair to say he trusted Jordan Glasgow in certain situations more than he did Josh Uche in certain situations. So he went with that. I think this is this might put him in a situation where he's going to have to just roll with. Uh, a guy that maybe isn't he knows isn't ready yet, but he's going to have to just ask him to to sort of take a leap with him and see and see what happens. I feel like the defensively for Michigan right now with the way their roster is, that's going to be more on that side of the ball. Whereas in the offensive side, I think they should have a little easier of a of a time sort of navigating around all this. Although it will be difficult, you know, sort of as Gad has said, because maybe you have to go all the way back, you know, and and do some day one things in the middle of August that you really don't want to. Yeah, I was thinking the other day, uh, which which side of the ball do you feel better about right now? And I think, I mean, I, the obvious answer would be the defense, given the fact that Don Brown's basically had top 10 defenses every year yeah. he's been here. I think they have finished a little bit outside of that last year. But, I mean, defensively, uh, you, you kind of know what you're going to get from Michigan, good and bad, I guess. Uh, but there's... A track record there uh, that you feel pretty good about Don Brown being able to put the pieces together however he needs to. Offensively, you know, there's not that track record yet with Josh Gaddis, although I think everybody's, uh, you know, has a level of optimism uh, based on what we saw in the second half of last season. The arrow is pointing up for that, for that side mm-hmm. of the ball. I guess I'd still lean toward the defense as being, you know, the, the unit that I would feel the best about right now on May 26th. But I'd also say yeah. maybe it's closer than you might think given sort of the, you know, the history of, of those two uh, sides of the ball under Jim Harbaugh. I think it's, you know, I think it's closer than you might think for an yeah. offense that's going to have a, a brand new starting quarterback in the second year with a, a new coordinator. Yeah. And it's, it's important to note, you know, right. Like we talked about, you know, there's certain positions where you're going to have to take a risk on some guys maybe. And offensive line would be one of them, right, where where you're going to have to ask, you know, some of these younger players probably to step in. But at the same time, you also get Andrew Stuber back. Um, you know, you do have Mayfield. You have Ryan Hayes. But Ryan Hayes is another guy that's it's time to go now. Uh, and some of these interior guys, you're going to have to take a leap with them. But you have Ed Warner coaching them. And I think that, that for Harbaugh, you know, when you look across his staff, Ed Warner's proven to be a pretty good developer of talent over the years. Uh, Don Brown has proven to be a pretty good developer of talent over the years, and so is uh, Michael Zordich. 
And those are three guys at three separate, three separate positions that if I were Harbaugh, I would say I trust all of you uh, to take a guy who maybe needs to be walked out a little bit more and maybe we don't have enough, maybe we don't have as much time. Uh, I would trust all three of those guys to get as much po- as possible uh, that you could possibly get out of a guy in that whatever time frame it is. Now, uh, at the same time, just because he hasn't been around as long and he hasn't, we, we haven't seen as much, a guy like Sean Nua, the defensive line coach, maybe we don't know as much because he's, it's only been one year. He's a younger coach. Um, we just haven't seen as much from him. So for a guy like that, it's going to be a, a huge, a huge deal when they, when they get back, because like we just talked about, you're going to need more, you know, from certain spots. So when you kind of parse it out and, 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 you know, piece it out, I guess, uh, and look every look at the roster, you know, position by position. Yeah, I think that uh, it's going to depend on, you know, how much your coach can get out of you uh, and how many guys that they're willing to sort of, you know, we're going to take a risk with you and we're going to see what happens and hopefully you repay us, you know, properly or whatever on the good end and it's not a bad risk. Uh, you know, how many of those hit for you maybe will be the ultimate determining factor, but I don't know. I mean, it's also one of those things where every team in the country is dealing with the same stuff to some degree, you know, Ohio State can get some guys in a weight room to stand six feet apart from each other and lift weights for a couple of weeks. I don't know. Is that that big of an advantage right now? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I think everybody's going to be going through the same thing uh, when the whole thing ends at the end of the day. And it's going to be, you know, an uphill battle for most folks. But one I'm sure they're all glad to climb is, uh, as evidence also is Don Brown. Austin, we, we confirmed Don Brown can get just as fired up via a Zoom call as he can uh, when we're there in person with him. So that was always uh, interesting to us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's sitting in his bedroom on Cape yeah. Cod get, getting fired up. So uh, Don, yeah, Don Brown, sure. is uh, whether he's on Zoom or in person, uh, always the same guy, always entertaining. Uh, all right, folks. Well, hey, summer's here. Uh, typically, that would mean that uh, preseason camp is right around the corner. Uh, we uh, hope that that's still the case. We will find out more. Uh, but uh, would expect that we'll have uh, certainly much more Michigan football football content and Michigan football news coming down the pike uh, over the next few weeks. So stay tuned for all of that at The Athletic. Uh, thank you all for supporting our work as uh, the, uh, the coronavirus shutdown continues. We really appreciate that. Uh, and thanks for checking out the show. We appreciate that as well. We'll be back to talk to you soon here on the RPM podcast. There will always be a place for you inside.